anybody can break into cyber threat analysis if they want to. If they have critical thinking, if they have problem solving ability, if they've got the ability to communicate, which is why more than that, you see such a diverse series of backgrounds in it, ranging from former journalists to investigators to English majors to also tried and true cybersecurity practitioners. And all of those different skill sets are wonderfully mashed together, but the underpinning fabrics is some of those key things, the ability to communicate, the ability to think critically, the ability to evaluate a lot of information and make informed judgments based on its characterization and sourcing and pivot off of that. What I'm interested in is what are you doing outside of your profession to learn about things? You know, are you listening to, you know, podcasts like this one or, or one of the others? Are you reading blogs? Have you watched any YouTube videos about some sort of new uh, cool hacking technique? Those are the types of things that I'm always looking for uh, when I'm interviewing future employees. Hello, my name is Chris Campbell and I lead talent acquisition globally for Mandiant. And I want to welcome you to the inaugural episode of the Skills Gap series, which is part of Mandiant's Defenders Advantage podcast, focused on thoughts, ideas, and initiatives for narrowing the skills gap in cybersecurity. You know, recent data shows that there are 465,000 jobs that are unfilled in the U.S. alone, and that demand is only increasing. In fact, the demand for cybersecurity skills has increased 30% in 2021 alone. With that, joining me for today's panel to have a deeper discussion around talent in general, as well as bridging the skills gap in cybersecurity are two of Mandian's very own. First off, there's John Doyle. John is a principal consultant for Mandiant. He's had over 14 years of experience in the cybersecurity field. He's also spent the past 11 years in cyber threat intelligence, primarily focused on the U.S. government. Along with that, he's also developed and taught cybersecurity and cyber threat courses for Mandiant within the U.S. government at George Mason University, as well as the SANS Institute. So thanks for joining us today, John. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. You bet. Also joining us is Mandiant's Matt Shelton. Uh, Matt has over 20 years of experience working in multiple cybersecurity disciplines across industry, government, and consulting. Currently, he's a member of Mandiant's internal security organization, where he focuses on protecting Mandiant's employees, like myself and others, as well as infrastructure for the same threats targeting Mandiant customers. Prior to joining Mandiant, he was at global consulting firm where he advised the government, military, and commercial clients on how to build intelligent-led security programs. So thank you both very much for joining us today and, and very uh, happy to have you both on. Thanks for joining us, Matt, as well. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, excited to be on this uh, panel with you and John. Likewise, likewise. Well, I'm just going to jump right into the first question and ask, how are each of you thinking more creatively about the skill requirements and the backgrounds for the roles that you have within your organization? So, John, I'll just start with you. That's an excellent question, Chris. So the analytic discipline has kind of grown quite a bit over the last few years. 
We've seen the adoption of new technology change the enterprise setting, change how technology is used, and likewise, in response, how adversaries are abusing the new construct in order to maintain a footprint on the networks, which means for new analysts coming in, there's a lot more to take in. For analysts who have kind of grown up in this profession, it's been an incremental growth, but there's just a lot. So when we're thinking about the different skills, when we're thinking about the different knowledge requirements, when we're thinking about the different abilities of individuals, I find that having a diverse team allows us to be the most flexible and the most agile. Having depth as well as breadth will enable us to be able to be more efficient at our jobs, to eliminate biases in our thought process, to ultimately to get the most return on investment for the cyber threat intelligence function within organizations. No, that's great. And um, Matt, same question for you is, you know, can you elaborate on maybe some of the things that you're doing to, to think creatively about bridging the, the skills gap within your team? Yeah, absolutely, Chris, I can. So when, when we think about hiring people, uh, you know, here at Mandiant, we have the same difficulties hiring across the industry as, as everyone else does. And we're looking for top talent. And it's really hard to find top talent just because of the skills shortage. So what my team has thought about in the past is we try to be creative about who we're hiring. So looking for skill sets that may not be traditional cybersecurity skill sets, but trying to find a candidate who is willing to learn and who can apply those skill sets to different problems. Just a, a couple of examples off the top of my head. One of my favorite people on the team, he was actually a corrections officer at the U.S. Bureau of Prisons previously. And what we found is he didn't have a traditional cybersecurity skill set, but he was able to, um, he spent an, his entire career at the Bureau of Prisons talking to inmates and he understood how you know crime worked and he he turned into a great intelligence analyst looking at the dark web and, and other areas so i think he he was a, a great find and, and one that i think a traditional employer might might overlook just to give you another good example is we we just hired an individual uh, a lady in cork ireland who didn't necessarily have a cybersecurity background, but she did have a skill set in Lean Six Sigma. So we spoke with her. We determined that she could easily learn some of the skills that we wanted her to. But what's great about that is she's able to take that background in Lean Six Sigma and help us work on some of our operational capabilities. So really, uh, as, as a takeaway, Chris, is I, I, I think Cybersecurity is such a big field. We just have to think through how to, to find new types of candidates and, and get creative about who we're trying to hire. No, I think you're absolutely correct. And I think, you know, the, the, the more we can kind of resonate that message to, to really focus on character over competency in some cases where we can really, to John's point, you know, diversify skills, abilities, and other characteristics that may not necessarily, I think as Hiring managers, all too often we have this ideal person in mind, which, you know, the likelihood of that ideal person having the the, the 50 something requirements is very nil, right? So we have to really 
I think expand our our way of thinking as it relates to requirements. But but John, did you did you have something to elaborate on as well? Yeah, I, I guess one of the projects that we recently undertook and released publicly a few weeks ago was this cyber threat intelligence analyst core competencies framework. So nothing like this really existed beforehand. And as the field has morphed, as it's evolved over time, so too have those knowledge, skills, and ability requirements. So one of the things that we wanted to do as we were pulling that together was help aspirant analysts understand the areas in which they might need to develop to fit a variety of different cyber threat intelligence roles, whether it's supporting the CISO level customers, whether it's operational tracking of adversaries to support incident responders, or whether it's more tactical for detection engineers. And in doing so, we released a blog that talks about Mandian's internal dichotomy, how we have strategic and we have technical analysts. And our ideal candidate is a combination of the two, where they understand lay of the land for the technologies security detection. They understand how networks operate. They also have an understanding of adversaries operations as well as geopolitical and motivations, but also have that professional effectiveness and communication skill. So being able to kind of bridge those gaps means that you have a whole host of different individuals you can pull from as part of your talent pool. And the pathways to developing in different areas uh, might take you in kind of a windy road. And in some cases, it's a more straightforward path. But enumerating it and laying it out there is the first step in helping organizations build the team comp- composition, helping individuals build some of those characteristics and those traits that are necessary to get into the field, to grow in a progression, to grow in a timeline. So it's kind of a cool initiative that I'm you know, very yeah. fortunate that myself and the team were able to undertake here and uh, get out there to the broader community. No, absolutely. Very cool. And that was kind of lead, leading into the next question I was going to ask is, you know, what are some of the things that Mandiant is doing to maybe be involved in helping serve the broader good? You know, what are some of the things we might be doing to help break down barriers for society today? And, and Matt, I'll just throw it over to you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very proud of all the work that Mandiant does publicly. And I'm not necessarily the best person to speak to all of our public work. You know, I I work here internally at Mandiant, helping protect the organization. And uh, I personally love all of the work we're doing with our blogs and our white papers. Uh, Personally, every year when Mtrends comes out, it's like a, a day that I just spend thumbing through it and enjoying it. And so, you know, and I'll, I'll let, you know, other people on the front lines talk more about our customer products, but those are some of the things that I am the most proud of. One of the other things that I, I participate quite a bit in is, is our, our industry sharing groups. You know, not to get into too much industry jargon, uh, but we do have um, a series of ISACs, which stands for industry sharing and collaboration groups, I believe. Uh, but Mandiant is a, a big participant in the IT ISAC. And that's our vehicle where we can meet with other technology organizations and we can talk about what threats are facing Mandiant today and the technology in- industry in general. And we present a lot of uh, of good presentations there. We, we provide feedback and we help our, our industry partners. One of the other things that my team is, is doing that I'm very proud of is, is through um, our previous CISO, uh, Steve Booth, we participate in the Bay Area 
community college community. Specifically, we're, we're speaking at cybersecurity events. And I know from, from my standpoint, speaking to students, both at colleges and at community colleges have been a very important part of sharing uh, across the, the community. John, same question for you. What are, what are some of the things that uh, you're aware of that we may be doing to help serve the broader good? So I think they, they fall into probably three different buckets. One is forward-leaning and trying to shape the way the cybersecurity industry is developing by working with partners at NIST or MITRE on their attack framework and based on the visibility what we're seeing out there. Um, I think the next is in our information sharing, Matt already touched on it a little bit, but one of the things that we also do is victim notification. So as we start identifying adversary activity against a particular victim, we reach out to them privately and we provide them insights into areas that they might want to investigate on their networks based on our holdings. And then the third, I think, is we've got an internship program as well as an externship program. So we've got a DOD skill bridge to help career military folk help transition, see whether or not cybersecurity is kind of the right fit and whether Mandian is a right fit for them to help build some of that capability and talent up. And likewise, we also have an annual conference that's held once a year. It's called MYs. It's usually held roughly September, October timeframe. For any government employee, it's open for free and for a nominal cost, it's open to the rest of the public. And at these, at this event, we usually host uh, uh, our analysts here as well as external analysts and consultants in the field as to what the lay of the land is, what we've been seeing, what the trends are emerging over time to help build that collective defensive posture that we're all going for. No, that's great. And obviously you mentioned the skills bridge program where, you know, you take active military that are transitioning out of the military and looking for a way to get into the industry. And that's certainly been a, a great program for us and obviously a new area that we can focus on developing talent. So, uh, and, and what better way to do that than with our own veterans, right? So among many other things that you mentioned there, that's one that stood out, obviously. Matt, was there something that you had to elaborate on that as well? Yeah, well, I, I did want to just mention that the MWISE conference is a fantastic event, just uh, as John mentioned. Uh, one of the things that I love about that conference is you know, obviously we, we give out free passes to certain scholarship uh, recipients, but everyone there is very, very comfortable talking with other people. So if you are one of the people who can get a scholarship to the conference, go up and talk to everyone there and they are going to be completely receptive to chatting with you about your, your future in the cybersecurity field. And I know personally, uh, I've been here, been in the field for 20 years, and I still learn something new every time I have a conversation with anyone at that conference. Yeah, that's great. Well, well one of the things that's so great about being in this industry is, is, is the ability to, to connect with the mission, right? Like we, we, we all serve a purpose, you know, whether it's our team that's recruiting the folks or those that are out in the field that are helping customers and others, like there's a mission driven vision that you could connect with, right? In the cybersecurity space. So, so the more we can get that word out and people can kind of buy into that mission, even those that may not necessarily have the the cyber background, you know, what are, what are some of the advice you might give to somebody who's looking to maybe break into the cybersecurity field, whether they've been doing something different to this point or, or just maybe fresh out of school? John, I'll throw that over to you. 
That's a toughie that you got there. I, I think it's twofold. One is awareness. One is understanding kind of lay of the land and what's out there. So having a broad base of knowledge on how different actors are intruding into networks. So whether that's the solar winds attack or whether that's understanding a new vulnerability that is released and being exploited in the wild, having a good lay of the land is one of the questions I tend to actually ask in interviews quite a bit. And it's tell me about something that you've seen in the news in the past week that's related to cybersecurity. And that kind of helps me understand whether or not a candidate is, is staying current, staying up to date, because this really is a rapidly evolving field. The second, though, and I think I put a, a pretty high premium on this, is anybody could break into cyber threat analysis if they want to. If they have critical thinking, if they have problem-solving ability, if they've got the ability to communicate, which is why, more than that, you see such a diverse series of backgrounds in it, ranging from former journalists to investigators to English majors to also you know, tried and true cybersecurity practitioners. And all of those different skill sets are wonderfully mashed together, but the underpinning fabrics is some of those key things, the ability to communicate, the ability to think critically, the ability to evaluate a lot of information and make informed judgments based on its characterization, its sourcing, um, and pivot off of that. No, absolutely. And, and what about you, Matt? Any, any advice you might give to someone that's looking to break in? I could not agree more with John. Everyone needs to have a good idea of what the threat landscape is. Uh, cybersecurity moves so fast that the things we learned last year are sometimes outdated. But I would like to add something to that. I think that cybersecurity by itself is not a thing. You know, we as cybersecurity pro uh, professionals, we're here to protect infrastructure, to protect organizations, to provide some sort of, uh, you know, analytical product to our, our customers. And that is built off of knowledge of other fields. I think as cybersecurity professionals, we don't have the luxury of just knowing one thing. We have to know lots of things to protect it. So I definitely recommend everyone who wants to get into cybersecurity have a baseline understanding of networking, of cloud, uh, of programming languages. You know, if, if we look at, you know, some of my favorite people here at Mandiant are our reverse engineers. They didn't go uh, and learn, you know, a tool like Ida Pro or some other tool to become a reverse engineer. They learned libraries and programming languages and how to tear applications apart. So I think that baseline knowledge is really important. Separately, one of my favorite things about the cybersecurity industry is the community. We have such an amazing community of people who are supporting us, who are teaching us, and who, who we are teaching. And so uh, at least in the beginning of my career, working with, with those communities were really important. I, I, just to give a couple examples, when, when I first started uh, in the DC area where I live today, I would go to a monthly happy hour called CapSec DC. And we would all have, you know, a beer and we would talk security for an hour or two. And it was amazing. I met some of the best friends, you know, that, that I've met in the industry. And I also learned a lot. Uh, separately, you know, here in the, the DC area, we have Nova Hackers, which is just a great group. And they have this policy where, Everyone has to speak. If you attend, 
you have to give a presentation and that's a great way to get into the industry and people love uh, mentoring people at the group and so those are just a, f a few ideas chris uh, that i have that i, I love also b-sides is a conference that is local it's cheap and people can attend and and i know personally here in the dc area i always attend b-sides dc and I attend uh, B-Sides Nova. Uh, we also even have a B-Sides Charm City up in Baltimore. There's lots of opportunities to go to B-Sides and those are such great resources for people. Not just the presentations, but I guarantee you at those conferences, if you sit down next to someone and start asking them a few questions about what they do, they love talking to you about it and they would love to have a conversation about you know, what their, their next cool project is. Oh, absolutely. Those are all great examples. Obviously, to your point, like, uh, uh, you know, the greatest thing that comes out of a lot of those things, other than the knowledge that you gain is the networking and making connections with other folks. And, and we may send a few recruiters ourselves to those things as well, too. <laughs> so Awesome. All right. Well, one last question for you both before we go, and I'll start with you on this one, Matt, is, is what are some of the recommendations you might give to a candidate to maybe help them better prepare for an interview. Yeah, that's a great idea. And, you know, uh, at risk of stealing some of John's thunder, um, one of my things that, that I always look for is that the candidate understands the business that we are trying to, to do here at the company. Um, as security professionals, especially a security professional in my position with the internal security team, it's important to remember that we are a business enabler. We don't do cybersecurity for the sake of cybersecurity. We are making our uh, business more successful. And so understanding the business is always the first thing that I look for in candidates. The next thing that I look for is, um, is problem solving skills. So I love asking general and vague questions and i don't even really care what the answer is you know what i'm looking for is you know how do they think about a problem how do they um, you know what is the end point that they they get to with that question and so i think you know thinking creatively about things is extremely important and you know finally what i'm interested in is what are you doing outside of your profession to to learn about things you know are you listening to you know podcasts like this one or, or one of the others are you reading blogs have you watched any youtube videos about you know uh, some sort of new cool hacking technique those are the types of 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 things that i'm always looking for when i'm interviewing uh, future employees all right Great. And I know, John, you did give some examples about questions you like to ask. Is there some some advice you might give to those that uh, might be interviewing? I guess first and foremost, practice. Practice your responses. Understand what the job role entails. Try and think through questions that could be asked based on the requirements. Matt did a great job hitting it on the head there with uh, prepping and trying to understand the natural alignment for why we do the things we do, why the job role is impactful, and how it connects to the organization, the business, to the drivers, especially in the cyber threat intelligence field. I find that 
often one of the missing links when analysts first start is understanding how that aligns to cyber risk and business drivers. So when I'm interviewing a strategic analyst, that's the type of question, that's the type of insight I'm trying to glean from it. I guess the next thing I'd recommend is be honest about what you know and what you don't know. So on on the back end, interviewers, organizations are willing to take a chance, but they need to know that they can trust you. They need to know that you're self-aware and you're willing to be upfront and put yourself out there and be a little bit vulnerable. So if you come across and say, hey, that, that was a great question. I don't really know too much about it, but if you give me a little bit of time, I'll do some research and I can get back to you or I'm willing to learn. That shows that you're willing to take initiative and that actually does go a long way. You just can't say that for every question. Yeah, makes sense. Well, really, really great advice and and really great discussion. I just really appreciate both of you joining today. This has uh, uh, been a great start to the series and, and thank you both for your time and insights today. Thanks so thank much, you, Chris. Chris. Really appreciate you having us. Absolutely.